every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from Healthnetics. Do you have nagging aches and pains from your younger, more athletic days? Healthnetics CBD is a premium brand CBD that may help take care of aches and pains, as well as relieve anxiety and sleeplessness. Healthnetics products are all natural, THC-free, made in the USA, and undergo third-party lab testing to ensure quality and purity. All CBD is not the same. Order today with a money-back guarantee at healthnetics.com and use promo code SPORTS for 20% off. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting at NDT Scouting, also with FanRag Sports. And we are your hosts here on a Monday edition, a Labor Day edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. We are here to recap the weekend that was in college football, and it was a terrific weekend. Not as good as last year's opening weekend, which was one of the most insane one of the most insane weekends in college football I'd ever seen, but it was good to have a full slate of games to dig into, and Kyle and I are here to dig into all of it, and Kyle is on the road headed to uh, headed to D.C. today, so uh, he is he has got the remote office going, and uh, Kyle, thanks for uh, thanks for including us in your day today. Oh well, yeah, it's um, Labor Day is appropriate. I've been laboring all day today mourning the injury to DeAndre Francois. Oh. Um, so that aside, I get to watch some football tonight. So that it's a good thing. And uh, Joe, you're actually hitting the road for 
uh, Tennessee, Georgia Tech. Yes. So we are not done with week one yet. No, we are not. But as of this recording, uh, yeah, there's a lot still dangling. But, uh, you know, with the way that our schedules are, you know, this is we had to record this on a Sunday afternoon. So there's some some uncharted territory that's going to be coming ahead of us that maybe we can touch on Wednesday. Yes, for sure. Um, So, yeah, Joe, just so everybody knows what you watched on Saturday, can you give everybody your what your schedule and slate was for the games? Yeah, so my primary focus first was at uh, Iowa-Wyoming game. Uh, then I transitioned to the uh, Florida-Michigan. And then I transitioned to uh, Alabama-Florida State. Uh, in the meantime, I do I have a two-TV operation going. And so I had secondary focuses on uh, North Carolina State, South Carolina, BYU, LSU, and uh, uh, the Maryland-Texas game. Yeah, and my, my watch schedule, um, not quite as complicated as you. I had one functioning screen um i watched maryland texas as my primary focus then switched to nc state and uh, south carolina alabama florida state byu lsu and finished off with a little bit of washington state after dark last on on saturday so yeah it was uh we don't get too many of these like 13, 14 hour, like wire to wire football days anymore since we're going to be traveling a whole bunch, but I'm going to make every minute count when I have those chances and just go wire to wire. Yeah. And so Kyle and I are going to dig into mostly those games here on the show, but get over to ndtscouting.com where our staff is covering 13 games from week one with in-depth scouting notes on all of the NFL draft talent and how they perform. So if you want to go and see how uh, every player that's that's on their radar performed in any one of those 13 games, get to ndtscouting.com. Get your eyes on these notes. So I thought the staff did a terrific job in week one, and we'll be doing this every week. So we'll have an extensive uh, hub of, uh, of game notes to reflect back on uh, as we uh, you know make our assessments throughout, uh, throughout the course of the season on these players. Yeah, we, uh, we killed it. Kilt. Uh, re- kilt. We kilt it. Yes. Really proud of everybody on staff. You know, there was like the Alabama game was done at like what? 1130, yeah. 12 o'clock. We had Ben Solak had game notes up in like 15 minutes. You know, you just you sit down, you watch the game, you know what the game as it goes. You hit submit and people can read it like immediate scouting reaction after the game. So I, I really think it's it's a cool concept. It's not something you see a whole lot of folks doing, especially with the depth that our team is doing. And so definitely echoing Joe's sentiment, uh, check it out, because it's going to be a weekly affair. Um, just really trying to be as comprehensive and show as much, quote-unquote, work as possible throughout the course of the process so that you guys understand how we get to the conclusions that we reach. Absolutely. Let's get into these games, Kyle. The first game I said I watched was Wyoming and uh, Iowa, and obviously the the main attraction in this contest was Josh Allen, the quarterback from Wyoming, who uh, many, including myself, are very high on. Uh, Some people say, you know, he's the number one prospect in the nation entering the season, and and a guy that, uh, you know, will be right there in the mix for the the first overall pick. Well, uh, talk about a letdown with his first first game. Uh, let's start off by just mentioning how difficult of a task this is. And I'm not making excuses because I love Josh Allen. But, uh, you know, he lost his top three receivers, his number one running back, starts the season with, with this type of 
uh, expectation that he's, you know, he's the best prospect in college football goes to Iowa um, against an experienced defense. And, and, you know, he, he did play well, you know, obviously the physical tools are always going to be there. His ability to uh, move within the pocket, extend plays, his arm strength to, to push the football to any part of the football, uh, football field on a rope. But, uh, you know, some of the same concerns that, that everyone has, even the people that like him. I love Josh Allen, but I, you know, I, I, you can't escape some of the decision making and some of the processing, and that didn't show any improvement uh, so far in Week One. Again, a tall order, but uh, you know, he 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 made some throws that uh, he shouldn't have made, and tried to fo- put the football into places where it shouldn't have been, and, and he saw it late, and, and it, it wind up making a, a decent read a bad read because the processing skills weren't there uh, quick enough. So, not the start we were hoping for with Josh Allen. Again, it's one game. There's an entire season. There's a lot of determining factors that went into play here. But uh, so far, not good uh, on, on Josh Allen. I don't know if you got to see any of that, Kyle, but uh, it was a letdown. Uh, I would sip some tea right now, but Sam Darnold did not play no. any better. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was um, both guys really underwhelming. So uh, as far as Allen, I did see – off and on, I saw some of the quote-unquote highlights and lowlights of his game. And I think the the thing that a lot of people are probably going to have a hard time getting over now is how he played against Power 5 competition, right? One touchdown and seven interceptions in two games. Nebraska last year was, I think, one in five, right? And then 0-2 oh uh, on Saturday. I hope they draw a nice bowl game. Because if they don't, I don't know what the rest of their out-of-conference schedule looks like, but I can't imagine he's going to find many better litmus tests for where he's at than Iowa. Joe, as you said, you know, if you put it into context, I understand it too. I mean, I do. I mean, I'm, not, I'm nowhere near as high on Allen as what you were. But uh, same, it's the same case study for Sam Darnold. He lost his top two wide receivers in Smith and Smith-Schuster. He lost three starting offensive linemen. He lost one of his tight end or one of his running backs from last year. It's a lot of turnover and a lot of change, and um, it doesn't absolve the poor decision making that I thought both of those guys showcased. Where uh, throwing into zone coverage, seeing it late, not putting the ball accurately where it's supposed to be, um, to date pretty underwhelming from the quote-unquote top tier of quarterback prospects unless you want to include guys like Baker Mayfield and um, Lamar Jackson into that group I thought Lamar played a great game against I mean it's yeah it's not Ohio State I believe they played Purdue but um, no he threw the ball well two of his his big plays chunk yardage plays uh, were throws that were put absolutely on a rope and he threw it into a tight window and did so successfully. So um, I have not gone back and watched the snap for snap for that game, but I thought he played well. Um, I mean, Baker, yeah, he's going to whoop up on UTEP. Big surprise. Uh, Just like uh, Mason Rudolph's going to whoop up on Tulsa. But, you know, I thought if you're looking at, like, each week as a round, I think Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, and Mason Rudolph take wins in this first quote-unquote round where the guys that have been put and slotted at the top of the list, obviously, uh, Joe, we're recording this on Sunday, so we still have to see how Josh Rosen plays. But uh, the quote-unquote premier names 
a pretty underwhelming start to week one. Yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about something that went well, and that's uh, that's linebacker Josie Jewell in this game. He plays for Iowa, and, man, he had a good football game. Um, he's one of the last prospects that I got eyes on uh, at the end of our summer work and, and then heading into the new season, uh, watched film with Ben Solak on him, and came away thinking this is a very good player in terms of processing skills, reading his keys, uh, and, and he's a good finisher. But I didn't think he had, you know, the top-end movement skills. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of length. He doesn't have uh, a ton of ability to play through contact. But against Wyoming, in a, in a game where I don't know what Wyoming's coaching staff was thinking, just attacking Iowa straight up, where they just have bigger, bigger stronger players, uh, you know, Josie Jewell feasted. He had 14 tackles, two sacks, two-and-a-half tackles for loss, and it was a testament to him being able to uh, attack his reads and get to the football and finish consistently. You know, he was he played with a lot of intensity and urgency, and he made good reads, and it was a simple game plan, but to his credit, you know, he was able to really attack it, and, and he was all over the field. So really good start to the senior season for Iowa linebacker Josie Jewell. What does your morning sound like? Uh, goodbye, baby. She's finally asleep. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. Can I get a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? Mm. Here's to making your morning routine a little better with a delicious breakfast from McDonald's. Mix and match two of your favorites for just $4. The sausage McMuffin with egg and the sausage egg and cheese McGriddles. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Yeah, and I owe an apology, Joe. I said this to you either on, on social media or on the phone over the weekend. Um, Washington wide receiver Dante Pettis. Uh, oh, man. Uh, seeing him live and in person at Piscawati gave me a whole different appreciation for the caliber of athlete that he is. Uh, on film, he looks more smooth than explosive, but you see him up close – and he's explosive. He is. Um, I still don't know if he's going to touch some of the numbers he's been reported at, like 4-4 four, four flat. Um, I think like 39 or 40-inch vert is numbers that he was reported as, as testing at in the spring uh, before his senior season. Uh, but he is going to bail Jake Browning out of a lot of minus plays this year. He's got good size. He's got excellent ball skills he has a great knack for extending and greeting the ball at its highest point you saw that on that deep pass up the left sideline on which he was hooked and uh, fought through contact and Browning put kind of a a wounded duck up there down the field and he was still able to complete the catch with two guys hitting him as he caught the football and then the other play that really stood out for Pettis was an incomplete pass of course um he had somebody hooked on his arm, kind of draped over his shoulder in the back of the end zone, and he did a Willie Mays-style one-handed extension, kind of hauled the ball in, uh, just happened to have his foot tap outside of ba- or out of the boundary, uh, unable to complete the catch inbounds, but it was just excellent ball skills and ability to fight through contact. Um, gave me some Josh Dockson vibes, hey. Joe. So, um, Doxon tested pretty well. Uh, We're still waiting for Doxon to see the field in Washington. But uh, uh, 
definitely his last year at TCU, he was a very dynamic guy. And looking at the other receiving options that are there in Washington, I wouldn't be surprised to see kind of a similar jump here for Pettis because he's going to have every opportunity with the targets that he gets. Yeah, it was good to see him play well. I, I hope that they get him more involved uh, just yeah. with normal targets, timing stuff, because I thought his ability to uncover quickly last year when playing opposite John Ross was really nice. So he needed to be targeted more in that game. Uh, how about Miles Gaskin in that game, man? He uh, showed some nice receiving skills, which wasn't a prominent part of his game the past two years. I think only like 19 catches over the last two years, but he he hauled in some nice passes over the shoulder and uh, really kind of attacked the football like a wide receiver. So I thought that was really good to see from him in that game as well. Um, yeah, uh, real quick, Joe. Sure. I just want to give a shout-out to the Washington strength and conditioning coach. That team looks good. Uh, they got a lot of really well-built athletes. Uh, Gaskin kind of came to mind. Um, not super tall, but he's he's slapped together really well. He looks like a running back. He's got a, a big lower body, and um, you know they, they you're down on the field for the warmups, and you're seeing the guys do the lap around the the field, and it's just one guy. Like even their big long guys aren't. They don't have like twig legs. Like some some guys are like really twiggy and long and lean. Even their big long guys carry weight really well, and they have weight on their frame. So, uh, hat tip to Washington strength and conditioning because that football team looked really good. Not not necessarily with their first half execution going in ten seven over Rutgers, but uh, as far as physically, and then the way that they were able to rebound and kind of impose their will on the Rutgers offense in the second half. Uh, really nice performance from that team overall. Well, they, they, you know, it's good because their uniforms are so bad, so it's good that... Uh, yeah, you got to make it up somewhere. Yeah, you got to right? make it up with the people inside of them. Uh, let's, let's take a look at this Michigan-Florida game. Um, man, disappointing if you're... Do we have to? Well, I think there's, there's two takeaways <laughs> from this game that I think are worth getting into. Uh, nothing to do with the Florida Gators. That was disappointing. Uh, but if you look at the Michigan side, there's a player on offense and a player on defense that I thought really popped on offense. Uh, Mason Cole, interior offensive lineman, now left tackle. And he held his own. I thought he played a good football game. Uh, he, he kept the shoulder square. He was very consistent with uh, just kind of being being proper with his technique, which is not always easy switching from a guy that's used to snapping the ball to a guy who's playing, you know, in a two-point stance at times. Um, thought he looked smooth. Um, thought he did a really nice job recovering. You know, there were times, and every every no football player is perfect. Guys get beat, man. The other guy's trying to win, too. There were times where I thought he was starting to get the edge, but his ability to recover was really good. So I thought in, in the first game where he had to play left tackle, I thought it was very positive for Mason Cole. On defense, a guy that's, uh, you know, I don't want to spend too much time uh, because he's not draft eligible, but their linebacker, Michigan's linebacker, Devin Bush, man, that dude's an animal. Seven tackles, three for loss, two sacks in the game. You can just see that he reads it clean and he fires, man. He, he shoots out of a cannon when he attacks downhill. He can move sideline to sideline. So uh, as you're watching the Wolverines here and thinking about future drafts, Devin Bush is a name to keep in mind. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad somebody was able to get eyes on that game. I just I'm not enough of a masochist to decide I was going to sit down and watch Michigan and Florida put offensive football back ten years, Joe. Oh boy! If either one of those teams had a quarterback, they'd uh, well, you know, I think Wilton State's bad, right? 
but he, uh, to his credit, he made some plays down the field that helped them route Florida. But I don't think it's going to – it's not going to stand against some of the teams in the Big Ten that they're going to face uh, that are going to challenge them offensively to, you know, really keep up points-wise. So, uh, yeah, if, 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 he, if either team had a quarterback, you know, they'd be different outlooks on, on their seasons for sure. Yeah, and um... – I mean, let's not forget, Spate actually got sat down for a couple plays. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, he was out of so, control. Back-to-back pick yeah. sixes, man. Yeah. Missing high, just – I don't know what it is with him. You know, it was – I found a tweet from uh, December 30th, the, the game against Florida State at the end of last year. It was uh, – I had said back-to-back throws. I have no idea what Wilt Spate is doing with his throwing mechanics. And – that's got to change. And back-to-back pick six is when the ball comes out high. You can't miss high. Joe, can we revisit my call for Penn State to win the Big Ten again this year? I think after one week, I think round one has to go to Penn State, huh? Well, yeah, Ohio State finished strong, but, you know, Penn State certainly yeah. put together Did you watch better... the first half of that game? I did. I did. So, uh, right now, do you, it looks Do you have good. any confidence in the Ohio State passing game? Nope, but I do with the rest of the team, every other bit of it. <laughs> okay, you're just gonna be, you're gonna be stubborn until they play. I understand. Yeah. So next up that I want to get into here, Kyle, is uh, this Alabama Florida State contest. And man, I, I think my biggest takeaway from that game, from a scouting perspective, you know, we're not here to talk as much about the college football side of things, but scouting, and that's that's what Sean Dion Hamilton was able to display. He's a senior, yeah. senior linebacker for Alabama. He tore his ACL against Florida last December in the SEC championship game. Uh, he was ready to go, man. He came in, eight tackles. Uh, he had three and a half tackles for loss in a sack. And his ability to, to attack laterally, to attack downhill, was really good. Makes Made really solid reads. He was aggressive, played with a lot of urgency. He missed a couple of tackles in space. But, you know, I thought overall he, he was really, really impressive. And uh, especially considering his first game off the energy, the injury, an ACL tear nonetheless, man, he looked good, and he's a guy that I think is a solid day two prospect right now. Yeah, I mean, he, he flew around, um, consistently saw him around the football. I thought two of the guys on defense for Alabama that stood out, uh, one's number 24. My producer's not with me today, so I can't <laughs> look him up. But I did note 24, I thought – Number 24 for Alabama playing uh, defensive line, linebacker, edge defender, uh, had a good game. And then the other one is Deron Payne, yeah. defensive tackle. Really impressed with his mobility for a guy of his size. Uh, there were a couple of plays where he was out, outside the numbers, chasing down like wide receiver screens and stuff like that. Like I love seeing the big guys that are able to get out that far and play with that motor because – that really that backside pursuit on some of those wide stretching plays can be the difference in a cutback for a big gain or a three or four yard chunk. So uh, I thought Payne physically looked apart. He anchored the middle really well uh, up front. Big surprise. Alabama beat the tar out of Florida State with their front seven. Uh, obviously knocked Francois out of the game on a blitz. Uh, really unfortunate because the game was you, you knew the game was out of hand when that happened and um hopefully you know at, at the time of our recording joe i haven't heard anything on francois but you have to assume the worst with him getting carted off with the air cast and um 
but yeah, that, that Alabama front seven just retooled. And, you know, you mentioned Deion Hamilton and the other linebacker, Evans, number 32, was fast to flow. And he didn't have any egregious busts on the second level like I saw throughout spurts of 2016 where you just you didn't know what his keys were and he didn't really know where he was going. I thought he was fast to flow as well. Uh, really strong showing across the board for Alabama, kind of let the game come to them, let Florida State, Florida State make the mistakes, and that's a big difference in the ballgame. How about Calvin Ridley, man, for, for the Crimson Tide at receiver? Yeah. Seven catches, 82 yards, a touchdown, and he, he showed some bursts that I don't think I'd seen from him before, especially no, on that, yeah, that 53-yard touchdown run where he just really created a ton of separation and burst the top of his route to get to that football. I mean, he, he looked good, really – really solid in terms of his route running you know the what some of the stuff he did to in, in his stems to uh to sell his breaks and uncover man he looked really really good uh, and that that was encouraging i didn't know how much how much uh how much better he would get you know he's an older player 23 24 something like that uh, so it's nice to see some more growth out of him uh and and uh, a player that uh you know they're gonna need in alabama i thought damian harris also our running back uh, you know, he had nine carries, 73 yards, but he had some good bursts in that game as well. So, uh, you know, overall, yeah, look, I mean, they won 24-7, to a lot of good things from Alabama, and, and they're, you know, they're firmly they're firmly the best team in the nation until someone else says otherwise, and a good start for the Tide. Yeah, I, going back to that 53-yard touchdown, you can see when the camera pans out and you see his eyes flip back for the ball, he put like an extra two yards of separation between him and the corner. Like, that was what really opened up my eyes with Ridley was, whoa, okay. Like, he's that second gear, like you said, you know, you knew he could move well. You knew he was a, uh, a smooth, uh, twitchy guy. But I wasn't expecting to see that kind of second gear for him. And as far as Harris, I thought Harris played better than Bo Scarborough did. I thought Scarborough uh, looked a little heavy-footed in comparison to Harris, where Harris was – no, he kind of ran with his feet and strides a little tighter, which allowed him to plant a little quicker, where Scarborough's got, like, the long leg with the long, hard step, and he's got to really produce a lot of force to move. Um, the obvious comparison there is Derrick Henry. I don't think he's quite that caliber of an athlete or ball carrier, but I really liked what I saw from Harris as well, Joe, where he's quick to turn his nose upfield, and when he does and his shoulders get square, uh he punishes you in the hole. So uh, great showing for everybody. I mean, Hurts threw a couple nice balls down the field. So that extra element for them, if he can be a serviceable passer, is going to make that offense really hard to stop. Just don't be a bad passer, right? Like there's a JT, right. <laughs> the JT Barrett thing, and then there's the Hurts thing. Like you're, you've got to play to the strengths of those players, and so far so good. Um for Hertz in the Alabama offense. Kyle, anything else that stood out for you uh, before we wrap here? No, you know, I think we, we hit on all the big things. I think if I had to give a shout-out to, to one other guy, it would be Ryan Finley, the mm. quarterback for NC State. 64 He's attempts junior. or something, right? 64 pass attempts. He had Jeez. 294 passing yards at halftime. 294 passing yards at halftime, Joe. Uh, um, 415 they, on the game. They beat themselves in this game. No, defensively, the NC State secondary was not good, but it forced them to come out and keep firing the ball with Finley. And in the entire first half, he was in a groove. You could see it. He was getting the ball out on time. It was a lot of short and intermediate stuff. 
and then he would pick and choose his spots throwing down the field. He had a couple balls that were dropped on him down the field, but they were really accurate throws on the hands, and there was one outside of each set of numbers to the right to the left. So uh, being consistent in that area was something that was cited on the broadcast as being a personal goal of his coming into this year, that, that deeper passing and better touch. Uh, I thought he played a really good game except for the third quarter, but he didn't have a lot of help in the third quarter. South Carolina used a lot of team speed and a lot of blitz packages to get guys in his face early, and they stopped playing off the ball and got up on the line of scrimmage, and it really threw the NC State passing game for a loop, preventing him from being able to dictate where to go with the ball early, so he had to eat the ball a lot and throw the ball away a lot. So uh, three really strong quarters from Finley. Uh, did everything he could to, to get them back into a game in which they were losing 35-21 to 21 entering the fourth quarter. So uh, a strong showing from a guy that I heard a couple people say that they liked uh, but never really had the opportunity to get anything more than just two or three quick looks at. That'll do it for us today on the Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We are just getting started here with the season, and Kyle and I are fired up about uh, all the plans we have this season. We are a year-round operation, so it's nice to be at the peak of our of our interest here uh, now, hopefully through the entire draft. And, you know, stick around with this throughout the whole year. We do this thing in May, June, July, August. Uh, we don't go away. So uh, there's always something to talk about. And Kyle and he, I are here to deliver for you. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, whatever you listen to. If it's iTunes or Podbean or Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it is, hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Stay connected with us on Twitter. Kyle is at NDT Scouting. I am at the Joe Marino, and NDT Scouting has its own Twitter handle, which is at NDT Scouting LLC. We'll be back again for you on Wednesday. Until then, I'm signing off for Kyle Krabs. This is Joe Marino, and thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.